welcome to the Data Democracy. Presented by renowned O'Reilly author Ole Olsen Banyu. Empowered by Xenia. Make your data accessible and discoverable by anyone, anywhere, at any time. Hello everybody, you're listening to the Data Democracy Podcast and I'm your host, Ole Olesen Banyu, Chief Evangelist in Xenia and author of the Enterprise Data Catalog, published by O'Reilly. In this podcast, we explore what a data democracy is, and today's guest is Hala Nelson. Hala Nelson is an associate professor of mathematics at James Madison University and the author of Essential Math for AI, also published by Rally. I came across Hala uh, on LinkedIn, and uh, I was really intrigued by her many posts about mathematics not being important, and I thought that was quite a paradox for a professor of mathematics. So I wanted to learn more about that. And I read her book, Essential Math for AI, that I deeply recommend. And uh, I will also just give you some of the takeaways from the conversation I had with Hala right here up front. So if you're a data leader, you should really uh, be aware of the responsibility you have if you're using AI. You should be as transparent uh, as you possibly can, both in your usage and in the results that you're getting uh, of the usage of uh, AI. Also, second, you need to not let your skepticism uh, win. Of course, we can always be skeptical about AI, but that should not stop you in using it. The more we use AI with good purposes, the better it becomes and the better the usage becomes for society also. And finally, if you're a data leader, push people to use AI. They can either study it academically, they can improve the technologies that AI consists of, or they can simply use these technologies for meaningful purposes and really push that as a data leader. Okay, for data democracy in itself, my takeaways from Hala's uh, conversation with me is that AI must not be in the hands of the few. Uh, it is too strong and everyone should benefit from it. Also, the outcomes of AI must be shared in a simple, understandable way so that everyone can uh, really understand what this technology or these technologies is doing to society. And then afterwards, afterwards, you can explain the mathematics of it if you want to. And third and most important for uh, me and the mission that I am on Data must be discoverable and of good quality if AI is to work. It is so often neglected and it cannot be repeated enough. Okay, these were my takeaways. Stay tuned. Here is my conversation with Hala Nilsson. Hi, Hala. Hi, Oli. How are you? I'm fine. And you? I'm good. Very good. I'm happy to have you on. Hala. Hala, for the listeners, um, I was wondering, can you tell us a little bit about uh, your work experience, what you do and who you are? Yeah, um, so I am a math professor. Uh, I am a, at James Madison University in Virginia in the United States. Um, and before that, I was, um, so I, I'm from Lebanon, so I did math in Lebanon, undergrad, master's, and then I moved to uh, New York City to NYU, New York University to have my PhD um, in applied math. 
um, partial differential equations, mathematical modeling, and then I did a postdoc at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. Um, I did imaging, uh, inverse problems, things like that, and then I, I moved to Virginia. Oh yeah, okay. So you have been in academia like uh, all your all your work life. All my life, yeah. yeah I yeah. I do. Um, I I specialize now in AI, but I see it same as mathematical modeling. I don't see a difference between what I did before, what I did now, in terms of the way I think about it. Um, the only difference is AI combines a lot of my interests together in terms of human behavior and and real life problems and stuff. So in that sense, I like it way better than what I did before. Hmm. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. That that shines through uh, your book also that I've been reading and, and we'll get back to the book. Uh, but, but, but prior to that, um, if you don't mind sharing, uh, reading your book, I sense that there were a lot of interesting conversations going on in your in in your upbringing. Can can you share some some of those uh, conversations? What were they about, and and how did they how did they impact you intellectually? Yeah. Um, so I'm from Lebanon, and Lebanon um, is has always been a country with a lot of conflict. Um, uh, it's a, a small country, beautiful country, great people, um, very diverse in terms of their um, uh, cultural uh, upbringings. We have different religions, uh, we have different backgrounds, uh, but um, we have a very strong Lebanese identity. Um, so, growing up in war, all like I literally grew up in war my whole life. I was born mm. in civil war, and I grew up in it, and. And we were affected uh, by it uh, in in many ways uh, in my family. Um, so so in, in my family, my my dad is a math teacher and my mom is an English and philosophy teacher. Mm. My uncle is a philosophy teacher. My my other uncle is a head of a school. So we kind of like I I had that uh, how would I say. Um, a privilege of you know when you, when it's war children sit at home more than they go to school so so you know with my parents made sure they talk to us about everything and teach us uh, stuff so and then you kind of watch how people behave and like we grew up with uh, um you know when people are uh, in conflict and and they justify the way they this party justifies why it's doing what it's doing and they're so right in it and the other party is using the exact same logic exact same logic to justify the exact other action mm -hmm. so, so it kind of makes you kind of as a child you're watching it um it, it's not it's it's not it's it's not like hard on a child it's more like fascinating you know you're like watching it and you're observing so so there was a lot of um um philosophy um you know the way people think the way they, they rationalize the how they think their existence also uh, religions different religions and how they see the same reality and how they arrive at their laws or, or whether their way of thinking is a complete logic or is there gaps. So it's kind of all related. And, and then, um, and then you know, um, you see it also in terms of mathematics, like 
for example, when um, people are, um, when, when there's like, say, um, jet fighters kind of bombing, like they, they go for the bridges and mathematically, they're like, you have a network and you wanna like, like target the bridges that have provide the most connectivity. So, so it makes you think of graphs and networks and, and where's the most vulnerable points in your country to be targeted. And a lot of it also like, if these people arm, then would these people arm more? Would they have a different ally to bring more weapons? So that's game theory. And somehow it's all like correlated in that sense. So it's it's really shaped a lot of my, the way I think about both math and logic and philosophy behavior. So that's, the, I hope that answers your question. More than answer it. I mean, that is such an, extraordinary background to have and I, I, I say this uh, very humbly I mean I think you have both experienced uh, quite dramatic uh, horrific uh, events uh, growing up obviously and at the same time you have had this enormous privilege right of being able to have conversations with people that could not only prepare you for adulthood but also prepare you for like really intellectually uh, refined adulthood that is um that is a gift in 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 the in the enormous and horrible atrocities that you have of course uh, witnessed that as, as a child and, and no child obviously should should witness that so so i guess that must have been the force that kept you going uh, during your educational uh, years and uh, and and also that must have been the force, I guess, uh, pushing you towards a career in academia, which is, and I do not want to make a joke about this, but which can also be not a war zone, but also a little dangerous, right? <laughs> oh, definitely, definitely. It it actually puts a lot in perspective, that kind of particular background. Uh, it makes you think that whatever problem you're trying to solve now, in a way you've seen worse and it makes it easier. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, mm. It puts a lot in perspective. It puts a lot of the finance system in perspective. If the, how people run their organization, it, it puts it in perspective because you've seen it in, in your country at the country level. You've seen it collapse and then try to build itself again. And and sometimes it's wrong, sometimes try. You've seen people uh, kind of uh, their, their order kind of uh, change and it settles into a new equilibrium. So. Yes, it, it definitely puts a lot in different kind of perspective and makes it less challenging. Hmm. It makes like my life now less challenging. It it was a driver. I I wanted you know freedom of uh, freedom of thought, freedom of um, constant chaos. Um, you know, but at the same time, I'm I'm very attached to 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 my country because I have. They have like you know we have strong identity we have mm -hmm. you can never really like replicate and that's i'm sure that's how it is for everybody yeah but i mean i i i also have like uh i'm also of, of, of partly of mediterranean descent and I, I i see that like the strong identity and and the the rationality of thought like the deep thinking uh I recognize that a little bit in in the way you write and think, um, 
it's okay. I, I want to dive into into your book, uh, your wonderful book. I have it. I have it right here, actually. Uh, yeah. Essential Math for AI. <laughs> I think it is. Uh, it's a, it's such a an amazing book, and I want, of course, you to explain it. But I, since you since you did, uh, described your uh, upbringing, let me just say that when I get went to high school, I had the most boring math book. <laughs> I could not focus on it. It was just a list of like equations and stuff, laws, uh, theorems you had to learn, and and that was it. There were no like contextualization. There was nothing that made this intriguing in any way. And I was, yeah, I was not thrilled. I have to say, I was 17 years old. There's a lot of things going on when you're 17 years old. I grew up peacefully, contrary to you, and. Uh, i enjoyed enjoyed that freedom. So so that book was not appealing to me. And of course, it's easy to sit here many years after and say, had I just had Harla's book. But anyway, had I just had I just had Harla's book. This is a this is a wonderful book that really wants to you to learn mathematics, right? And that's the cool thing about it. But I have my own ideas about the structure. But I wouldn't want to explain your book to you. So Harla, in your words, how how did you come up with the structure of the, of the book? Yes, um, it it was a lot of uh, what, what you're saying. Um, of course, I've been a math uh, professor. I've taught math in my life for 20 years, and I've had thousands of people I've taught and thousands of brains um, to have to reach them. Um, and I realized that people are different in the way they learn, and and you have to. And and I realized that um, I needed to, uh, to 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 tell them why. Knowing why why you're solving a problem um, makes you want to solve it more, makes you actually look in the right direction. So, um, so the part of it was part of my teaching. The other part is I believe, like I didn't want to plunge people like you're describing into do this much math formulas and then you'll be good. Actually, mm. it's the case. You will not be good. You will just know how to do these formulas and nothing else. And mm. in the big context of things, that is not. Uh, that is not a, a useful skill. I want to use uh, to, to teach people how to think about these things and they can go and solve any problem that faces them, uh, whether in their organization, in their uh, modeling of data, in whatever. Whatever it is that they're trying to solve, this way of thinking that I wanted to put in my book, I'm hoping will help them. The other thing is I, um, I noticed that uh, in terms of uh, math for AI in particular, people would say you just need to know probability and linear algebra and optimization, <laughs> and then you're good. And then how many probability books are there? How many probability theories? They're like, wait a minute. That, I mean, do I really need? To, I mean, that's overwhelming, and you cannot. So I needed, uh, I needed to structure it in a way that that immediately made people understand what AI is and what its impact is and uh, do that through math and then the math that you need will just be there uh, the last thing is in terms of structure is i believe um in terms of information in terms of how we acquire information i feel like uh, uh knowledge in particular i think the flow of information the, the way it's it's routed is as important or even more important as the information itself. Meaning you don't need to know the details 
of one thing, but if you know where it fits in the flow in the map, then then you would that's basically all you need. So I I don't have to take you to a certain destination myself, but if I give you a map and a whole story of how it should flow then it, it will get you there. I don't have to be there with you. And once you get to your destination, you find out new stuff, you need more details, then at least you know where you are in the big picture of things. So that's how I structured it. I uh, did, uh, I, I started with uh, data uh, and, and not everything, basically just immediately data as it relates to math and then than the um, machine learning, but without, uh, I even the way I presented machine learning, I presented it in a very simple structure, like mm. hundreds of models, including neural networks, the modern, the, the past, they're all like doing exactly one thing mathematically. So if you understand that very simple structure, then you're able to unlock hundreds of models that differ in the details only. So it's kind of that way of thinking. And in terms of, I, I also placed mathematical logic at the very end, even though if you think of the AI history, it started logically. So I wanted it at the end in the sense that that yes, the logical agents um, are important, but but uh, they're like in a way they're not. It's not like they are the past and neural networks are the are the present. No, everything can be made smarter if if you think of it as a whole of intelligence and and you blend in like a neural network model with a logical model and agent endowed like that will be a smarter agent like just like humans are right we're neural network based but we also are able to to put a logic on top of that model so it's kind of i framed it in that sense and it seems like it's resonating uh with people and i'm grateful for that yeah yeah you should be grateful but you should also just uh be proud i mean the book is really really uh it's a good read and uh exactly like you say you explain um as i see it the societal changes uh, that ai is uh doing uh performing uh through through math as you say and so instead of having a, lo a long list of ma math mathematical uh, laws and, and what have you 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 explain a lot of stuff that is going on in society and you explain that through math and it's such an elegant um it's such an elegant move Hala. Yeah. okay so let's uh, let's get some, get into some basics um how come you don't define ai in the book yeah well um if you ask um if you well i've thought about intelligence all my life and i've seen uh, a lot of students i, I see people and uh, as i said how they behave in their societies um uh, intelligence itself um it manifests itself in different ways it, it has aspects there's there are aspects of intelligence and it doesn't for example the fact that we can see and we can hear and we can communicate and we can navigate and we can um, uh, have, we have a memory where we store our data and we have a, a, robot, a physical body that can help us source materials and, and manipulate. So, so for me, not one of these things is intelligence. It's, a, it's, they are all aspects. And so to, uh, and the other thing is I talk to, uh, uh, say government officials or, or whoever the people I work with, uh, for projects and stuff, and and then 
I see them um, kind of sometimes I hear things that I disagree with. For example, they say, well, people are saying computer vision is intelligence and they're saying a computer vision is AI. That's not AI. And in my mind, well, what is AI? I would ask them like, like vision is makes us uh, increases our intelligence. It's an aspect. So instead of thinking of defining intelligence and going into the work of philosophers and disagreements on the nature of intelligence, the nature of existence, the nature of reality. Um, I did. I, I mean, these questions are always going to be there, um, and and we can answer them like locally. And but uh, I can definitely, even though I cannot define intelligence, I can define aspects of intelligence and. And in that sense, when you see like vision, language, etc., navigation, awareness, etc., if you can model that uh, mathematically and replicate it in a machine, of course, there's, you model it and then you replicate it. In a, you make the machine kind of uh, convey that aspect of intelligence, then you're getting to somewhere, and that will be artificial intelligence. Mm. So. Mm. So this is why I don't define, if, if I wanted to define AI, then I had to define intelligence. And I didn't want to do that, but I wanted to define uh, to define the aspects of intelligence. And in a combination of these aspects, any combination is a direction in terms of AI. And I see it in my students. People are different. Are they not intelligent? No, they just think differently. Mm. You know, even like people with, I've seen, in the most amazing forms of intelligence with people who are autistic, who had a completely different way of of seeing the world or, or, or communicating with the world, but are they not intelligent? I've seen brilliance, you know? So yeah, so you yeah. cannot, so that's my, my whole, so I, I started with that premise and then started mapping it mathematically and, and seeing if we can model that then we're talking about intelligence and mathematically and modeling and and uh, yeah but i think that's a very good and pragmatic choice that you made for your book saying this is not i mean you can definitely sense the philosophical conversations here in in your upbringing and like going on in your mind still um but i think you made a wise choice not defining artificial intelligence but you could you could write an entire book about that and i'm sure you wouldn't have the answer anyway Yes. So instead, you define what is called an AI agent, right? Yes. And so what's an AI agent? What's that? So an agent, it could be a, a software, a machine, a, a, a something that we, um, some entity that can accomplish a task that, <laughs> that, that maps to that aspect of intelligence to one or more aspects. So it could be software. For example, a, a chat GPT is an AI agent, is a language AI agent, is a conversationalist AI agent. A, a robotic hand at a car line that's doing exactly the same thing again and again, that is a, an agent that's doing mm -hmm. something else, but also doing a mechanical thing. A, a, a little uh, self-navigating, uh, we have on campus now these uh, little robots that deliver things and they're com they're so cute, they're completely <laughs> Uh, but they're like uh, they do vision they, they're operated by vision navigation uh you know all the sensors all around so that's an ai agent so an ai agent is an is an software or hardware or machine that 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 um that manifests a task that's associated with these aspects of intelligence that i defined before defining an agent yeah 
Yeah. yeah. Um, I have so many questions. I, I want to get to them all, or at least a maximum of them. Um, you mention several places in your book the power that AI uh, really gives to those that understand, uh, really truly understand uh, mathematics and like um, everything uh, computational needed to perform AI, right? So, so you have pretty strong opinions about democratizing AI and. And I, I read the examples. I know why, but for the listeners, uh, can you can you elaborate on why why do we need to democratize AI? Uh, well, as you said uh, in the beginning, it's a very powerful uh, tool. Uh, it's uh, for people who have uh, done um, math all their life and modeling, and they've been trying to solve uh, all kinds of problems. The amazing power that AI can give uh, to address very important problems uh, in terms of uh, creating medicine, in terms of uh, supply chain, in terms of weather, in terms of climate. Uh, um, AI unlocks uh, outstanding problem, problems that have been standing in these fields that need a lot of computation and new insight or new way to model the function. Like you don't have to come up with the function yourself now. You can approximate it with a network. And then you can uh, so so without diving into details, um, uh, it's uh, it's it's uh, a, a, a powerful thing in society. It's like creating mm. a new weapon, you know. And uh, these things always like creating something uh, very powerful and that has the ability to affect billions of people, and it already is affecting billions billions of people, like. Just how much our phone, uh, the information we get our phone on our phone is like, uh, uh, we, it's the companies that have the ability to control what we're seeing and all of that. These these kinds of structures, they always need checks and balances, and mm. democratizing that will give checks and balances, uh, and and uh, otherwise power will be this big powers will be concentrated in the hands of the few who are producing this. And um, and uh, if and then it becomes opaque, and it's the same reason why data needs to be democratized, in my opinion. And and actually, democratizing data uh, has to happen. I mean, AI is is built on data, so so democratizing that will lead to democratizing that as well. Uh, it's yeah, it's definitely checks and balances, definitely. Even if the companies uh, where that are producing these technologies are really good in their intentions, you're only seeing it um, at some point. If it's only you doing it, you become disconnected from the reality of billions of people. Um, absolutely, I, absolutely. Yeah, and I can go in there for hours. Honestly, are any of these questions are really hours and hours, you know. <laughs> but it's the same as data, in my opinion. Mm. Yeah, you have these examples in your book. Uh, I want to highlight, uh, I want to mention one and highlight another one. Uh, so the one you mentioned is that you're searching for data and you're looking all over for data. I think it's for the bus transportation uh, example. Uh, and, and you realize when you, when you have done all your uh, <laughs> calculations, all the math, that the data was so wrong that 
it's just uh, nonsense. So that really that really illustrates the importance of both being able to find the right data, being able to trust it, and so forth. Right, everything, all the classical data management stuff. But you also have this other example about the fire department, where you we have done some analysis for a fire department, and then you. As you present the numbers, you realize something. Can, can, it's an enormous book. It's 500 pages. Can, can you remember this example from your book? Um, let me see if I remember. I, you're talking about the fact that um, I told them the answer, and I realized that I could have said any e answer. E exactly. Exactly. And that was scary to yeah. me. Yeah. It was scary, and uh, in my opinion. I'm good and I'm honest uh, in my reporting, but how many people are not, I mean, these models always spit answers, right? And, mm -hmm. and you can tell them, you can tell uh, the managers or the leaders of these organizations, well, this is AI, this is what it's telling me. And then uh, I, I, for me, my realization that I could have said anything and then the big decisions would have been based on what I would have said. So that's an amount of power that we have to be very careful with. And there has to be uh, just like the, the freedom is protected. It has to be protected in. Uh, so, yeah, there, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I have two more questions and we have a couple of minutes so I can make it. I was also I wanted to also hear you out on the on the confusion matrix you have uh, at around page 100 in the book. But but Hala, it will be for another time. It's just uh, I'm very much into everything uh, search engine mathematics, obviously, but but we'll have to do that another time. I think you could explain it better than I do myself. But yeah. But um, no, I have a couple of questions left. First of all, for, for, for the young listeners out, out there, if you, if you want to start a career in AI, um, you have a couple of advice and uh, provide some advice by the end of your book. Well, can, you, can you share it with us here? Yes, um, I would say um, it, it depends what you want to do. Uh, do you want to use these technologies to solve problems that people are facing? Are you interested in... Uh, uh, supply chain, climate, military. Um, it's funny, I'm, I'm saying the thing that I'm interested in, uh, but uh, <laughs> whatever it is, yeah, or, or running an organization or organizing, um, uh, oh, that's uh, how to organize data of an organization that's different. I love that topic and, and I feel very strongly about that in terms of uh, it being similar to libraries and all of that. But my point um, is uh, choose um, before you don't say oh I want to go into AI because AI is huge and you can go in many directions so exactly what you want to do do you want to sit down develop the models uh, yourself or do you want to develop the hardware then then basically you grab these books like uh, that talk about that topic or, or talk to the people or go join the community that that talks about the topic, see what they're doing. Like, don't join them and, and then think that they are the absolute authority on the subject, but kind of like, like start getting, follow your heart and what you want to do, and then start getting in that community, start learning and um, learn from people who, um, who do not, um, do not like uh, make um, absolute truth statements or this is this is gonna die this is the end of this or this is uh, like these strong emotions like just see what how people are thinking about it in that field uh, that you're interested in uh, but in terms of AI itself in terms of modeling uh, 
uh, or, or where it's headed, uh, you, you, th there's many directions, but start with the people uh, who are in the community and start talking to people, talking to teachers. Um, I cannot stress that enough. I mm. learned a lot from a lot of good people and, and then, yeah. Wonderful advice, Hala. And the, the, the very final question uh, I have, uh, and I guess uh, you could talk a lot about it, but uh, how do you see the future of AI? Um, I see it as really good. Um, I, I, as I said, the, uh, the amount of solutions it unlocks like even in terms of material design, in terms of medicine, and it unlocks things that uh, we uh, never uh, thought was possible in, to see it in our time. So I, I see in that sense, I see that as very good. Um, I also see um, uh, more interest in, in developing uh, uh, the quantum computing side and, and the um, uh, the uh, superconductors, like kind of enhancing um, and advancing uh, even more. Like this is really us going to the limit uh, in math, uh, the limit of something that that's us as as hum human makers are approaching the limit uh, of that. It's like the smallest and and the most. Uh, the fastest and the smallest. Uh, so in that direction, I, I'm very excited. Um, I'm also slightly uh, worried about the democrat democratization um, issue, and I'm not sure that's attainable unless there's a whole culture like you, me, like people who really think about it that way, they need to be like educating and also governments have to get involved because the uh, the, the big uh, giants of AI, um, as much as I love uh, their engine, their genius and all of that, I still, I think unless governments get involved, uh, that it wouldn't get regulated. Um, and also, one thing I worry about is is the automatic uh, weapons. Um, mm. The thing about automation is um, you cannot assign responsibility is, is to where this is coming from or accountability. So. So in that sense, um, we have to be careful and, and regulate. Um, but uh, in terms of the potential and how much it can solve and where it's going in terms of hardware, software, a data organization, to me, like that's another topic we did go in here. The fact that data needs to be organized and sociable and, and all of that, if all of this really happens because people are thinking about it now, they're trying to do a culture shift, if that culture shift happens, it's it's going to be really good. I, I'm optimistic about that. I'm happy to hear that, Hala. And I think uh, I know you're writing on a, on a second book. I've, I've been seeing some posts about that. I'm sure you won't reveal uh, what the content is. But but I think it would be an obvious topic for you to, talk, to, to write about how to effectively democratize AI. So if it's not the topic of your next next book, then make it the topic of your, of your third. Yeah. I, think you should, I think you should do that. Anyway, Hala, it's been a pleasure having you on. Thank you so much for joining the show. Same.